you so much for tuning in to the KTH 910 AM interview of the week here on this beautiful Saturday afternoon. I hope you're having a great week and a good closeout of this year. Can you believe we are almost finished with 2020? <laughs> and I hear an applause go up. Uh, this is a program where we talk about interesting things, uh, the intersection of where we live and our Catholic faith. So if it's local and Catholic, we like to talk about it. And I was recently uh, contacted by a dear friend of mine, uh, uh, who I've known for many years, uh, Eric Bonnenberger. And he, I kind of knew this was coming. He had given me some uh, information previously about this. But uh, he, along with uh, another friend, Chad Simpson, uh, have started a group for Catholic men that is really interesting, really unique. And they're going to have a meeting uh, this coming Thursday on uh, November 19th. And and just kind of hang around for about 20, 25 minutes here. We'll explain all about it. It's called Claritas. And uh, they're going to have a speaker at this meeting. And we also just happen to have the speaker on the phone with us. His name, you might be familiar with Dr. Michael Norman. Uh, he is a local chiropractor and also an author of a really fascinating book called Unbridled Grace, A True Story About the Power of Choice. And this story will blow you away because I have heard it and uh, it's really interesting. We're going to hear a little bit about it today and then you can hear more if you come to the meeting on Thursday if you're a man. So with no further ado, Chad Simpson, Eric Bonnenberger and uh, Dr. Michael Norman, welcome to all you. Thanks, Dave. Great to be here. Thanks for having us, Dave. Yeah, Eric, let me start with you, since you're the one that uh, reached out to me about this. Uh, Claritas Group, you sent me an email, and you said you're going to be gathering uh, this coming Thursday in Chad's home in McKinney. And uh, it's, of course, the week, about one week before Thanksgiving. Enjoy cured meats, whiskey tasting, cigars, and hear a great talk by Dr. Michael Norman. Um, and, and before we start into this, I just want to mention also Chad and Dr. Norman are both members of Modern Day Parish, and uh, Eric is from St. Elizabeth and Seton Parish in Plano. We all have kids. In fact, uh, the three of us here in studio each have three children along with our wives. And, uh, and Dr. Norman, I'm not sure how many kids you have. Uh, how many children do you and your yep. wife have? Two. Oh, two. two. Okay. All right. Great. All right, Eric. So tell us about Claritas. That's the inspiration. What it's, what's it all about? Sure. Claritas probably started during the shutdown. Uh, just as a, as an idea, we, uh, Chad and I uh, are part of a circle of men, Catholic men, and we, uh, had really been missing, uh, the fellowship, you know, seeing each other in person. And so, we invited the, each other to get on a virtual uh, call, and it was intended to be really something of a, a kind of happy hour. Bring your beverage of choice, and uh, we, you know, hang out and see what happened. And it ran its course, but you know, it, it wasn't the same. I think man's a social animal, and Catholic men are called to fellowship beyond a Zoom call. <laughs> and so that's that's where we started. Uh, maybe that was the, the germ for, for Claritas. All right. So now this is in-person meetings, as I mentioned, in the in the home. I think you're planning quarterly, rather you know, intimate. It's not going to be, you know, fifty or sixty men. I think I don't know what the the sweet number is, but uh, Chad, what what uh, tell us more about the group and kind of what makes it perhaps different from other uh, men's groups. Sure. So when we started discussing this, you know, as as Eric said, kind of a, a seed was planted and we're trying to figure out what to do with it. And 
one of the first things that we decided and agreed upon is to leave room for the Holy Spirit to not define everything, to not make everything just so uh, corporate, if you will, Mm -hmm. that it becomes a hassle and it's no longer fun. (laughs) So we wanted it to be formal, but fun. And so when we were thinking about, you know, what components a gathering should have, the first thing I thought of was um, the, the venue, and I wanted to be in a home. And I just happen to have a, an older home that has this big formal living room with vaulted ceiling. And, and I can hold a lot of people in that room. Mm-hmm. So the concept of a salon, which, you know, formerly, you know, a couple hundred years ago, 100 years ago, people would come to someone's home. They would have a, a formal intellectual conversation. Sometimes, you know, there was, there was debates during that conversation. Uh, uh, but it was intellectually stimulating. And there was a formal nature to that. So we knew that we wanted the venue to be in a home. And because of that, it's going to limit the number of participants. Mm-hmm. So as, as this grows, we may end up doing multiple uh, meetings yeah. in order to make sure that we keep that, that um, uh, intimacy in the conversation. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I know you said you don't want it to be real, you know, formal. And at seven o'clock we're going to do this, and at seven fifteen we're going to do this. But at the same time, there's got to be some idea of how the evening will flow. You're going to have a speaker. You talk about the intellectual conversation. Will the conversation be based around the speaker, or is it just kind of organic? What everybody wants to talk about, or is there a topic, or or what, Eric? You know, we are going to gather beforehand, uh, before, in advance, before the uh, the speaker, and it can be very free flowing. Absolutely, I think the the uh, idea behind an invited speaker is really to to inspire us, mm-hmm. and that is, um, and uh, again, you know, Michael has a, an inspirational story to tell and to share, but you know, as Chad mentioned, I, our our idea was. That this be something like the the French salons, you know. Uh, but what's probably different is, unlike those historic salons in pre-revolutionary France, that uh, you know were, were uh, you know had had that uh, celebrating that mix of those so-called Enlightenment ideals. We're really wanting to have something that's. Uh, a hub that celebrates our our Catholic culture and our Catholic ideals, and that really uh, inspires men. Because these are these are times when you know we need we need fellowship, and we need to challenge each other. Yeah, and I was intrigued by a conversation that uh, we had before we started. And Chad, you were, and I'm paraphrasing you, but you it seemed like you were saying, you know, this is for Catholic men. But it's not for a particular kind of Catholic man. It's not, you know, if you go to the traditional Latin Mass or if you're this or that, you, you really you want some diversity. But at the same time, it's going to be uh, limited to Catholic men or, or, or who are practicing their faith or, or who is this for? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, when, we, when we decided to do this, we knew, number one, we wanted it to draw people in that we currently don't know. I mean, that's one of the biggest parts of doing this is we want to meet new people. We tend to surround ourselves with people who think just like us. And that doesn't challenge us because yeah. our, our faith is meant to challenge us. We don't know our faith well enough. That's one of the reasons why we're gathering. It's one of the reasons there seems to be a lot of confusion in the church is because we kind of 
don't like to hear things that don't fit our ideologies, mm-hmm. uh, they, whether it's political, whether it's church. So we know that we need to be challenged, but what we don't want to be challenged on are the truths of the church. So that's, that's the one thing that we have to agree on, that there is a church, and the church has doctrinal truths, and we need to be taught those truths. Uh, we need to be catechized. We need to embrace the fullness of that truth. And that's where the term claritas came into the picture is we want clarity. Mm-hmm. We do not want yeah. ambiguity. We live in a time of great ambiguity in the church to the point that it has become scandalous. And we want to be the opposite of that. Yeah, yeah, certainly a lot of uh, amens uh, out there among people listening when you come, you talk about that. In fact, I think that the name of the group is so uh, perfect for what I think uh, men and, and women today are looking for, clarity, and we don't always get that in the church, unfortunately. I am speaking to Eric Bonnenberger and Chad Simpson. Chad Simpson, they are the two founders of the Claritas Group uh, for Catholic Men. They're going to have their first uh, in-home event this coming Thursday, November 19th, we'll tell you more details. If you're interested, maybe you contact them and uh, uh, they'll let you know if they've filled up yet or if there's room for you to come. And they're going to have a speaker. And uh, our, our Patience Award goes to uh, Dr. Michael Norman, who's been hanging with us. And like I said before, he and his uh, uh, wife and, uh, and uh, perhaps some uh, the kids go to Modern Day Parish in Irving, and he's a local chiropractor. Uh, which kind of leads into the book he wrote about an amazing thing that happened to him. <laughs> uh, you think you've got an interesting story of your life. His story is called Unbridled Grace, uh, a true story about the power of choice. Uh, Dr. Norman, thanks for being with us on the phone. Why don't you give a little preview uh, of, and I know we could talk for two hours about this story. It's so fascinating, but uh, what will you be talking about? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I welcome to everybody. And at first, I, I just kind of I want to say it's it's just very exciting to be at the kickoff event, you know, for Claritas. So, I mean, it's an honor, and it, and I really these last you know nine months, especially, it, it just kind of feels like we're we're off maybe on an island, isolated island. And this this model is just so relevant and needed right now. You know, to come together as men and strengthen us and. And then, and then in turn, we strengthen our families and our communities. And I, I mean, I would, I would like to see this model just popping up all over the place. I mean, it's just really, really, the time has come for it. Um, yes, but I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna share a story. It's gonna sound a little like a John Grisham novel um, <laughs> at times. It's gonna be, it's gonna be a little, little stressful at times. Um, two, two, two differences from John Grisham. It's gonna be true, and it's gonna be a faith story story of incredible fate and um and it's a uh <clears throat> definitely an unfortunate situation when we were young i was our family you know just coming together as a young family just had my daughter um getting out of college starting my career i took a job with a uh a, basically uh a, a very very organized unscrupulous uh criminal enterprise and this is the story is going to start here of how I unknowingly got pulled into that criminal enterprise and, and what happened as a, a surface Catholic. And can I say that lightly, too? I don't even know if I was that good. Um, and basically, I, I had no defenses for what I was pulled into. And it's a story of just me being pulled, pulled under the waves and fighting for our lives and drowning and, and reaching out for anything I could reach out to. And, and it turned out to be our Catholic faith 
in in an unbelievable way um, pulled pulled our family through this. And I'm gonna it's it's gonna start out as a dark storm, but it's gonna finish with a lot of light at the end. And it's gonna be it's gonna make you believe in miracles again. And it's gonna it's gonna believe it's gonna make you see when we put our trust in in God, He shows up in a big way, a very very big way. You know, it's up to us to take that first step. But once we take that first step for him, he came, he came through for us, and he'll come through for anybody in a way you could never imagine. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, amazing story. And, uh, and I love how you've just given us a little bit of the story. And, of course, there's two ways to hear the rest of it. You can buy the book, Unvital Grace, and you can also come to the event on Thursday night, uh, November 19th, over at Chad Simpson's house. And so Dr. Michael Norman is going to be the uh, the speaker. And uh, again, this is such a, a unique group. Uh, one other thing I want to ask you guys about is the dress code. This is something also kind of unique. The email that I got from you, uh, Eric, said you want to honor tradition. The dress coat is coat and tie. When I think of all this, and I get an image in my mind, I'm thinking of like, you know, C.S. Lewis and Tolkien and Chesterton together, and they're smoking pipe or smoking a cigar and having some whiskey and having this intellectual not, not that you know we're as intelligent as those guys but it, it, a high it's, bar. It's, it's, it's kind of it's almost there's a there's a, a, a quaint old-fashionedness about it so tell us about the the dress code and, and why this is important yeah I think the, uh, you know we are such a informal culture today and that uh, probably is a reflection of it, it, the hyper individualistic values that we have in 21st century America. And the dress is important because, in part, it speaks to our dignity, uh, our state as Catholic men. We are worthy of respect and authority. And this is a, a time when we need to have more respect for authority. And that's that's one element of it. Mm-hmm. Certainly is. And is there like a? I know clergy are invited. Is there a chaplain of the group? Is there going to be um, a priest present? Is it the kind of event where you go and have your confession heard? Or, or t- t- tell us about that. Anything uh, formal like that, Chad? Well, first of all, yes, on the clergy, we we want to invite clergy. I have extended invites to some priests and deacons. Uh, and that's something that we want to grow over time. And that goes back to us making sure that everything we do is above reproach. We we definitely do not want to create any form of scandal, whether mm-hmm. it's just who attends or the speaker that's brought in, etc. So we want to very much uh, involve the clergy. So yes, we will be inviting them. I do not see us having a, a formal chaplain just as someone who's been a part of other Catholic organizations. We've, we've kind of struggled to get a chaplain just because how you know how busy they are and they're spread very thin so i don't want to set an artificial goal um but yes when it comes to bringing the the clergy into the fold because we want to build them up another thing that kind of inspired me to do this was a book i read by kevin wells called the priest we need to save the church Mm, yeah, yeah and instead of making me angry thinking about all the the things that you know this this composite perfect priest that we have in our minds. You know that how they don't exist. Yeah. Um, and getting upset about that, I thought, what can we do as the lay faithful to build the priest up? And what we need to do is show them that what we need, want, and desire, and then 
they can give it to us. But I have a feeling that a lot of them are beaten down because all they hear is negativity. They hear complaining. They, they hear you be critical versus trying to show them this is what men as leaders of the, the family, leaders of our households, this is what we need in order to help create saints for the world, but we can't do it without you. Mm -hmm. So we're hoping that we can set an example and create an environment that if a member of the clergy were to attend, they actually may get inspired the next time they're behind the ambo to say some things that maybe they didn't have the courage to say in the past. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, If somebody's listening and saying, wow, I'd like to bring my 16-year-old son with me, is uh, is there an age limit? I know there's going to be drinking uh, and, uh, you know, optional, you know, drinking and smoking cigars. Uh, Age limit or or who who can come? Yeah, you know, we hadn't given that a lot of thought. Uh, We we said that we want to leave room for the Holy Spirit and things to kind of evolve over time. Probably, I would say at least age 18 at this point, but because we would love to get young men and form them properly when mm-hmm. they are young, I think that's going to be extremely important that we don't just make this be a, 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 a network of men that we already know that, that you know are kind of already where we would want them to be. Mm-hmm. So that's something that we will pursue. But you know, our sons, Eric's son and my son, will probably be there to assist us in various uh-huh. aspects of putting on the event. But as far as participants, probably eighteen and up. Yeah. Well, what do you? What's the the kind of the end goal? There's obviously fellowship. You're going to learn about the faith. You're going to hear an outstanding talk. Uh, beyond that, you know, it's the guy's driving home. What? And he tells his wife, you know, I just I feel like I'm a better Catholic. Or what? What's what? What? What's what's what are you trying to accomplish? What's the main purpose? To empower men so we can uh, shape 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 our particular spheres of influence and in. in the culture. Uh huh. Okay. And um, if somebody, the if somebody wants to come, do they? Obviously, we. I, I haven't given an address. I haven't given a website. <laughs> well, what what should they do? Should they contact you first and say I'm interested, or uh, what, what what should be the first step? Yeah, definitely. So we have most of our invites that have went out now has just been personal. You mm-hmm. know, we we each have. Uh, a sphere of influence, and we reach out to those individuals. If someone is interested, they can they can email or they can text, call us, and I'm happy to give out that information. Uh, my number is nine seven two four zero zero two four two three. Once again, nine seven two four zero zero two four two three or chadsimpson42 at gmail.com. So feel free to reach out to me. And obviously we do have a limitation on capacity, uh, but if we can fit the person in, we're definitely glad to have them because I would say that's that's what I want people to take away is when they're driving home. And I, I met someone new. I made a human connection with someone that I did not know existed until this evening. And not only am I thinking about things that I didn't think about before, I have a new friend that I can talk about those things with. Yeah, and uh, Dr. Norman, let me bring you back in the conversation. I, you, you, Like I said, you gave us just enough of the story to intrigue, and I'm, I'm sure you never have anybody hear your talk and say, you know what, the same thing happened to me. <laughs> you know, it's such a unique story. I, well, I, felt, I felt like you were telling my story, but what kind of reaction, what kind of comments, because I know you've probably given uh, this, this talk hundreds of times uh, in, the, in, the, in the past years. What, what, what impact does your story generally have on people, or what have you heard? 
that's in, in all the years. No, no one has ever had my story, and I, I, I don't know if it's going to happen again next week either. But what, what it is, it's there's a framework in it. You know, yes, your, your, you know, your test will not be my test. What I went through, but you're going to have a test. You know, you're going to have it, and I, and I'm a believer right now. I think our, our time of testing is, is even increasing and fast approaching. But, but. The, the response of, of the choices my family and I made, you know, the, the response that is gonna is gonna speak to your test. It's gonna it's gonna speak very very uniquely to what you're going through in your life and what what really really pulled us through and, and the truth that pulled us through. It'll speak very loudly to your own test. And and so yes, the story is it's gonna get your attention. It's gonna you know it's gonna seem a little John Grisham ish. But um, what your your mind will go to your own test, and then how to how to actually respond to your own to your own cross that you're having in your life. So it's really really fascinating how that's happened through the years. Yeah, we haven't spoken too much about uh, our roles as husbands and fathers. Obviously, you know our wives are we're going to uh, take off from the family that night to go to the meeting, and hopefully, we'll improve uh, those of us who are fathers and husbands and so do you do you think that's one of the things also our wives want to say you know what ever since you've been going to those claritas meetings you're just such a a better guy that uh, that obviously is one of the goals is just to be a better man overall right of course yes yeah. absolutely yeah I, I and i would say um to get excitement back in our lives right to look forward to something there's been such a uh, push against social gatherings, and so we're not out here to make any comment on, you know, epidemiology and, and different things <laughs> like this. Public policy. But we want everybody, if you're comfortable, let's forget about all that for, for a yeah. moment, and let's let's embrace our faith, let's embrace our masculinity, let's gather, let's get back to a simpler time, because we, we want you to be, when you cross my threshold, I want people to feel like, uh, it's it's a simpler time, whether that mm-hmm. was a year ago or a hundred years ago. Yeah. And for the next two hours, because we're trying to structure it to be respectful of the family and make sure that dad's not gone for four hours, uh, which can can happen when you get engaged in conversation. But we're going to limit it to two hours, and and that's kind of how we want to keep it. Yeah. Let me put you on the spot a little bit. Uh, give me an idea of some other speakers that you would like to have. Uh, somebody that pops into your mind uh, that you say, you know what, this because obviously you've got Dr. Norman. He's a great speaker. He's got a great story. Um, you got another couple people that, you know, like this is somebody, the type of person I'd like to have, or not not to put you on the spot, but who else uh, would, would, would be good speakers for this kind of an event? Well, I will let Eric answer, and I'll, I'll, I will give you an answer that's not really an answer. Uh, but I think it's, it's good that you asked this question. Um, first of all, we do not want to pay a speaker. Yeah. And part of what we want to do is give people a forum where they feel like they're part of this group. If they're going to come and speak to us, we want them to show up when everyone else shows up, mingle with us just like another Catholic man. But they're going to have the opportunity to share something with the group. So you might be someone who would love to be a paid speaker someday, mm-hmm. but yeah. maybe you need some practice and you haven't had the right audiences, et cetera. So when we're thinking about who those, we have a wish list. Yeah. And some of these people, we think, well, it might be a stretch to get this person to do this for free. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but we're kind of keeping it open just because, once again, the Holy Spirit is moving in interesting ways, and I have one that I haven't shared with Eric yet that, that I think could be a home run uh, that just happened within the last week. Oh, okay. Hey, you want to add anything to that, Eric? I, that was well said. I, I That's kind of like a politician's answer. Yes. That, you know, <laughs> that, that kind of a non-answer, but no, I'm, I'm kidding. It was, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was good. You're right. It was, uh, yeah, let's leave room for the Holy Spirit. And I think that uh, you know, we want speakers that inspire and challenge. Yeah. And we have some irons in the fire. And I'll leave yeah, it at that. Yeah, because if you start giving names, then yeah. the, the person may be listening, thinking, oh, gosh, they're yeah. thinking about me. Yeah. Well, why don't they at least email me and ask me? I mean, <laughs> so I understand. might have been an unfair question. But, hey, you know, hey, it's you never know what you're going to get when no, you sit a great down question. for, for we, Catholic we, we Radio. We need to, uh, with schedules and, and everything, we need to have these lined out uh, yeah. in advance. So Okay. Uh, Dr. Norman, if folks cannot get to the meeting or if a, a woman is listening and saying, you know what, this, 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 you know, I'd still want to get that book, even if I'm not going to be going to the meeting, how, how, how can they get it? It's currently on Amazon. It's probably the easiest. Um, it's Unbridled Grace, a true story about the power of choice. And I've got uh, Kindle and a paperback copy. And uh, a lot of times um, I've had, I've had um, uh, spouse, uh, wives, Buy one for buy a book for the husband, and um, the story is enough to to, to hook them in, to, to gear them in. But there's just a lot of theological growth in there, and and um, spiritual maturity that happened to our family through there, and um, that just kind of goes right along with the narrative of the story. Yeah, so the, I think they'll really enjoy it. Dr. Marcelino D'Ambrosio gives a. Um uh, a recommendation on the back saying a riveting tale of unimaginable crisis that will keep you on the edge of your seat and then drive you to your knees. Uh, say no more. So it's a, it's a, it's a great book and you can get, like you say, get it at Amazon or maybe ask your local Catholic bookstore to carry it if they're not already carrying it as well. All right. Uh, Chad and Eric, I'll close out with you. Any last thoughts? Any words of encouragement to the men out there? Maybe the, the wives listening to, uh, you know, elbow their, their husbands and, uh, say get to this meeting or what else do you want to tell our listeners yes absolutely i mean this is a time if you've uh we need to be inspired so i'm no, i'm sure that uh as catholic men we're all sharing in a lot of the same uh angst and uh frustrations in you know the the current environment so uh definitely come out and let's uh, let's be inspired and uh join the fellowship all right. Last word, Chad. Anything else? Maybe if nothing else, we can give that phone number out again. Sure. Uh, I'm just going to ask everyone to pray for us. So we are meeting Thursday the 19th at, from 630 to 830. So if you uh, cannot attend or if you do not fit the, the quote unquote demographic to attend, pray for us when we're mm-hmm. gathering, you know, because I think um, obviously we know that from the from the religious, they pray for us all the time. So if you could pray for us that this is a success and that we get fruits from it, that's all I ask. Yeah. That phone number again for, to call Chad if you're interested or want more information, 972-400-2423. 972-400-2423. Thanks to you both for coming. Dr. Michael Norman, thanks for uh, being with us for the interview. And uh, I know many people are eager to hear your story on Thursday night. Uh, this coming Thursday, November 19th at Chad's home in McKinney from 630 to 830. So thanks to all of you. Thank you. 
And thanks to Diane Xavier for running the board and producing this program. Thank you, Diane. Uh, This has been the KETH 910 AM Interview of the Week. If you have any suggestions for future interviews, please contact me at Palmer at grnonline.com. Have a great rest of your weekend. God bless you. Hi, everybody. Dave Palmer here. 2020, as you know, has been a tumultuous year, but let us end it with a bang by having a great Christmas share benefiting the Guadalupe Radio Network. I invite you to tune in Tuesday, December 1st through Friday, December 4th, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. as we close out our celebration of 20 years on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Let's celebrate the joy of our faith and also the joy of giving. Please make plans to make your end-of-year donation or a pledge during the Christmas share December 1st through the 4th. Hello, Catholic Life Insurance is a family-focused company that offers life insurance and retirement benefit plans. We are proud to support the mission of Catholic Radio on KATH 910 AM. To learn more about Catholic Life Insurance, you can contact Larry Linson or David Walker in our Dallas office at 972-484-3000. Again, 972-484-3000. We look forward to hearing from you. Good afternoon. Welcome to this edition of the KTH 910 AM Interview of the Week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. Hope you're having a good weekend. Uh, my name is Dave Palmer, uh, host of this program, executive director of the station. Diane Xavier is running the board, and we're glad you are listening. And I, I must say one of my favorite types of interviews for this interview of the week uh, are when I'm able to interview local Catholic authors about books that they've written. Because I'm an author myself, and I know the process, and I know the struggle, and it's 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 a challenge. And uh, I wrote one book, and I don't know if I'll write a second one, but uh, it, it's a difficult challenge. And so when somebody actually uh, publishes one, it, it's quite uh, an accomplishment. And I recently was contacted by a gentleman by the name of Tony Cullink, and uh, he's kind of new to the Dallas, North Texas area. In fact, his family is still back in Florida. Uh, he is a father of five children, three grandkids, and he has written the first of a series of books uh, called Shadow in the Dark. And uh, we'll kind of talk about the plot and all that and what it's about and how you can get your hands on it in just a moment. But Tony, thanks for coming to the studio. Good to see you. Oh, great to see you. Thanks for having me. You're a, you're a law professor. That's your, quote, real job, right? That is my real job. That's what pays the bill, since, as you know, writing doesn't. Yeah. And uh, tell me a little bit about your background, because I always like to know, you know who, the, who the author is. Uh, cradle Catholic, like many people fell away at one point during high school. So what, what's your faith journey? Yeah, so um, I grew up in New Jersey, uh, Catholic family, and um, you know, got married very young and uh, started having children very young. And sometime around that time, uh, I did fall away from the church and uh, started going to a Bible church and kind of became a born-again Christian. And um, you know, I actually wound up coming back to the church after meeting a, uh, a very faithful Catholic that I was working with who I thought I was going to convert away from Catholicism. <laughs> Often and, happens that uh, way, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, and then he introduced me to the uh, you know Apostolic Fathers and to church history, and uh, probably within a year um, I realized, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, know? this didn't go in the way I thought it was <laughs> going to go, right? It's not really possible to, uh, to, be, uh, yeah. <clears throat> to do this with, once I know my history. And uh, so I wound up coming back to the church and um, you know, spent 21 years in the uh, U.S. Air Force, uh, went to law school in Florida, actually, um, at the University of Florida, and uh, was an Air Force JAG, 
And then when I retired from the Air Force in 2012, I started uh, teaching at law schools. And uh, now I'm here in Dallas at, yeah. uh, at the University of North Texas, Dallas College of Law. Okay. So you're a professor. And then how about the writing? Uh, you know, because obviously you're, you're having the kids, grandkids. Uh, that's a busy life in itself. You got the job thrown on top of that. And now all this, you know, you're saying, oh, and I want to be a writer as well. How, how did the writing bug hit, hit you? I mean, I've, I've enjoyed writing my entire life. And, you know, even as a teenager, I've got reams of really terrible stories that, uh, you know, I tried to pen. So I think being a writer was always something that was in my interest. Um, you have to write a lot as a, uh, as a lawyer and as a law professor. And um, I've actually been a columnist. Uh, you know, we were also homeschoolers for several years. I know that uh, that's something that you're involved with, too. And um, I, I'm still a columnist for Practical Homeschooling Magazine, and I write huh. a legal column for them. Uh, so, uh, you know, I've always written, uh, but I really wanted to, uh, to write a, uh, a book that would really be for youth. And, um, you know, I enjoyed fiction. I enjoy historical fiction. And, and that's, uh, that's kind of how we started thinking of, of this series. Have you written other books? Uh, well, at this point, I have. Um, you know, of course, every author's got several manuscripts sitting in their drawer that yeah. are unpublished, and I definitely have a few of those. Uh, but this is the first of a series, uh, yeah. and there's already two other books that will be coming out in the series. You know, I wrote another uh, another in the series this summer, um, and so uh, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is published by Loyola Press, uh, came out in July. So just uh, this last summer, middle school historical novel for kids aged eight and up. And I know that nowadays the big question is, do I self-publish? Do I get you know one of these Catholic publishers? I know there's pros and cons. I went through the same thing. So uh, how, how, how did that work out, the relationship with Loyola? Well, uh, it really was a gift from God because I was on the verge of, um, of self-publishing and I had actually procrastinated um, doing it. And, uh, and I'm a member of the National Catholic Writers Guild, which we actually do have a, uh, an associated chapter here in Dallas, Fort Worth. I don't know if you're familiar with that, so you might want to join it as a Catholic writer. <laughs> um, but uh, I went to a conference in... Um, in Chicago, and one of my friends in the Writers Guild just happened to be um, planning a dinner with one of the acquisitions editors at Loyola Press, and Loyola was starting to look at the possibility of getting into middle school-type fiction, and they hadn't really done that before. And so we kind of just had a dinner to talk about, you know, um, I think, you know, he seemed to be inquiring, like, well, what would it take to have a middle school fiction line and it just so happened, I was like, well, you know, I have this, you know, book that I was about to self-publish. And uh, so it really just, you know, providentially fell into my lap because then I gave him a copy of the book. And, and you know, a few years, of course, down the road, as, as you know, this takes, <laughs> takes a while mm -hmm. to get Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I really just thank God because um, there's no way that I, you know, could have seen that one coming. Yeah. Uh, Tony, Tony Kalink is my guest. Uh, his book is called Shadow in the Dark. It's the first of a three book series. It just was published this, uh, this, you know, this summer, uh, just a couple of months ago. I'm going to read just a quick summary plot paragraph. And I'm curious how the idea kind of pops into your mind. Why this time period? Uh, you know, what, what, what the inspiration was. It says, uh, in 12th century England, an, an attack by bandits in the middle of the night leaves a young boy with no memory of who he is or where he is from. 
nursed back to health by the devoted monks in a Benedictine abbey. He takes the name Alexander, or Zan for short, aided by the kindly brother Andrew and his best friend Lucy. Zan commits himself to finding out who he really is. Is his family still alive? Why has God allowed him so much suffering in his life? And who or what is the shadowy figure creeping around the abbey in the dead of the night? Well, that's that's, uh, that's it's intriguing. So how did this... This whole thing kind of pop up in your mind, or where'd it come from? You know, um, it actually, the idea came to me crossing the country uh, from Florida to um, Colorado Springs uh, on a uh, military move and talking to my son, who was a teenage in homeschool at the time. And, you know, Harry Potter is so popular. And, you know, it was like, wouldn't it be great if we had like a really kind of spooky series that would have some adventure and mystery and spookiness, sort of like Harry Potter, but also would touch on some really great themes that, um, you know, homeschooled kids and, and uh, you know, just people who wanted good family values would feel comfortable with. And at the same time, you know, where would we set such a book? You know, it's got to be somewhere really cool. I really like, um, you know, English history and, you know, the, this period of time that I, I set the books in is uh, a very exciting period of time, actually. It's, uh, you know, it's about 15 years after um, the uh, the martyrdom of uh, St. Thomas Becket. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a lot of king and church, you know, King Henry II and a lot of uh, king and church conflict going on. It's set right between the Second and Third Crusades. So, in fact, in some of my later books, I'm, I'm hoping I can get my uh, protagonist into the Crusade, uh, Third Crusade perhaps. Uh, you know, we're just about 15 or 20 years right before St. Francis and St. Dominic. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. just a lot of really... Aquinas is know, around the corner and Albert and Bonaventure. And, yeah, yeah, I mean, there's so much um, going on in this time period. And uh, and it's still like, you know, the Wild West out there yeah. with bandits and, and that type of thing. Yeah, and you, you mentioned Harry Potter, and I know Harry Potter, some some Catholics think it's from the devil, some Catholics love it, people that I trust, you know, but if you're looking at that, that segment of the population that just doesn't feel comfortable with Harry Potter for their kids... This is a good alternative because it's 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 got the Catholic themes and uh, also the the historical fiction aspect of it. The the, the, the there's some hist- history, like you say, the Crusades and the Kings and all that that's thrown in. So kids are going to learn something that that's that's real history in reading the the, the series, huh? Right. Yeah. And you know, as 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 a homeschooler. Um, you're always trying to figure out ways to, you know, educate your children creatively and get them to really enjoy, yeah. you know, learning. And that was also, you know, part of the reason I wanted it to be a historical fiction book. Uh, Loyola has done a great job of preparing like curriculum materials that educators and students and teachers can use. And, and I really envision the series as being a supplement to, you know, something you could use with like a, a history or, or literature curriculum. Um, you know, hoping that, you know, we'll even see it in, in some of the schools because, you know, you learn about, in this first book especially, you learn about monasticism in the Middle Ages. You learn about, you know, the, the, the struggles between church and and you know king, uh, you learn about how the monks and, and nuns of that time really saved Western civilization by you know um, how they copied the scriptures and the classics of Rome and Greece and you know you just learn a lot about feudalism. I mean, there's just so much you know if you're learning about the Middle Ages that you learn in these in these books and um, 
So yeah, that that's exciting too. Yeah. Sounds like unlike something like the Da Vinci Code, you read this and a child or an adult who reads it is going to come away with a more positive view of the church. It sounds like even the, the Benedictine monks are a positive influence in this this kid's life and that and it's not not, not that the church is not there has been scandal and there's been a lot of bad stuff, but uh your goal is to it sounds like to to make the the, the church be more uh, positive than negative. Well, yeah, I don't want to scandalize the church by any means, and and I, I think we don't we don't give enough credit to the holy men and women, you know, in any age who yeah. have devoted their lives to serving God. And so, you know, there are a lot of very positive role models in the series. Uh, there's also, you know, some corruption and some, you know, corrupt figures in the series. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. I, it needs to be true to life uh, at the time of uh, this book. You know, the Cistercian. Um, you know, white monks had come along not too far before this in this, you know, that same century to reform monasticism because there were a lot of corrupt, you know, Benedictine uh, monasteries. And, and so, um, you know, this, this monastery that my protagonist winds up at actually is sort of like a, you know, trying to be a reformed Benedictine monastery, mm-hmm. if you will. But, you know, we can't, we can't whitewash the, the reality that there is, uh, you know there are always you know corruption and uh you know in the world uh, but the 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 you know role models for zan and and lucy in this uh in this novel are are mostly all positive obviously there's some bad guys and bandits and things like that yeah the second and third book in the series the haunted cathedral and the fire of eden uh you've got one coming out february of next year one in july of 2021 you got this all planned out uh, have these been written yet are they on uh, they you know, are yeah they're, they're loyola done. has got i mean uh, you're, they've got the covers done uh, it's gone into final editing so these are definitely coming out lord willing uh, the coronavirus yeah. kind of threw us a few curveballs yeah. um but uh, and 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 Zan and Lucy really do go on um, several other adventures uh, and and run into other historical. Um, you know, the, the second book is actually set mostly in Lincoln, England, uh, and Lincoln Cathedral uh, is is kind of the the big set. Is you know, is it haunted? And, yeah. and there's some very significant historical event that occurs in that cathedral, which I was able to tie into the plot of the book. Um, you know, and that's what I love about historical fiction too, is because you can just see what's going on in history, and 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 it just presents many opportunities. Did you did you travel to England for? I mean, have you been there uh, to 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 visualize the kind of cathedrals you're talking about? I did in 2015. I actually got to teach a a course in uh, France for the summer, and so I took two weeks out of uh, that summer. And uh, as like I was back in college or something, went traipsing around the United Kingdom on what I call my Zan tour. And I went to all the areas that I'm writing about. I went to Lincoln and Yorkshire and, you know, some of the abbeys and um, and really just tried to, you know, I mean, obviously we're far removed in history yeah. um, from that. But uh, I found that that was very beneficial and I've, I've used a lot that I experienced and, and saw um, on that journey to sort of, uh, make the books more realistic. Mm-hmm. So one of the, the the books are written. You got your publisher, and obviously publicity, marketing, getting the word out. Uh, you kind of I sometimes wonder, like with uh, J.K. Rowling, you know, with the, the the Harry Potter, which is a classic example of just something that just goes you know crazy popular. What was the tipping point, or what? Uh, obviously, you're doing interviews like this, and you reached out to me. But what's the marketing strategy? How do you, how do you get the word out about the books? You know, I mean, I think. Uh, 
places like this are the great place to get the word out. I was on Catholic TV on the This Is the Day um, talk show a few weeks ago with Bishop Reed. Um, you know, they're out of Boston. And, uh, and, and doing these types of interviews, I think, is probably very beneficial. Obviously, Loyola has a, a marketing strategy because they also sell a lot of curriculum in, you know, um, for CCD and for Catholic schools. So there's some of that. Um, but yeah, I, doing book signings at stores. You know, it's it's fun, but you know, mm. you're not going to reach a lot of people that way. Yeah, yeah. But I'd love to do some book signings in, in Dallas yeah. for sure. Well, there's. Uh, yeah. Have you been in touch with any of the Catholic bookstores? Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm reaching out to uh, to some in the area. Yeah, so, yeah. Sacred Heart Books in Dallas, and there's Little Angels, and there's Divine Mercy, and there's a lot. Of that, and they're all one, the people that run these are just the the, the the best people in the world. Tony Collink is my guest. Uh, he is a local author, law professor, and uh, f- uh, father, uh, grandfather. Father, uh, and uh, and his book is called Shadow in the Dark, uh, released by Loyola Press uh, in July. I'm always curious when you when you write a book, uh, are you thinking of the movie that could be made about <laughs> it? Are you visualizing? Uh, you, know, you, you know, obviously that would probably be a dream of any author is that their book turns into a movie. Is, is that kind of in the back of your head that well, this, uh, this might happen, or somebody picks it up? Lord willing. Um, yeah, I wrote the book cinematically, and in fact, um, CatholicMom.com did a uh, review of it, and that's actually what the reviewer said is, you know, I don't always say that, you know, a book would make a great movie, but this book would. And because I yeah. wrote it, you know, kind of with Harry Potter and that, you know, kind of model in my mind, and and with the model of a modern uh, a modern mystery thriller, you know, for kids, which, you know, has to be very different mm-hmm. um, than uh, the old model back, you know, 100 years ago. Yeah. Have you had some young people in the age category, the uh, 9, 10, 11 year olds read it and give you any feedback or what are they saying? They they love it. I mean, honestly, the kids love it because it's 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 spooky and adventure. It's not preachy. Yes, there's kind of religious themes, but it's not, that's not what drives the plot. It's an organic you know, plot, and, mm-hmm. and it's meant to be, you know, very suspenseful for kids. And then their parents love it because they can see, you know, the books are about vocation, they're about forgiveness, they're about, you know, suffering, and and you know, why do bad things happen to good people? And you know, Zan and Lucy, I, I don't want to leave out his best friend Lucy for our, our, our female readers. Um, you know, they both have to face a lot of issues, and. Um, you know, so the parents kind of like that aspect of it. So I've gotten very positive feedback on all fronts, uh, even adults who've read the book. Um, Catholic Reads did a, a review the other day and, and said, wow, you know, as an adult, I'm beguiled by this book mm-hmm. also. How old are Zan and Lucy in the book? Uh, they start off at, at 11, uh, 12 years old in these first few books, and, and they'll work their way through their teens, I think, uh, yeah. as we go. Yeah, very good. You got anything, other, other projects in the works? Uh, a few things uh, that I'm 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 looking at doing, but this series, um, you know, hopefully will continue to be written, and uh, you know, I'd love to see a spinoff series for Lucy. Honestly, that's what I was oh, yeah, thinking yeah. of right now. Run on, get off, and get her own, uh, that's, her own that's series. That's right. That's what I'm considering. And on a personal level, uh, do you think North Texas is going to be your home for the for the long term? Are you, is your family going to come? Or it, it looks that way. We've got some some business to tie up in Florida, um, yeah. so I'm doing kind of the long term commute. Uh, 
commute right now, long distance commute. But, uh, you know, I've taken this job at the university and it's a tenure, you know, track position. So I'm hoping to be here for a long time. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, thanks so much. Uh, Tony Kolek is uh, my guest. Shadow in the Dark is the name. Uh, people can get it. Uh, what way? You can get it, you know, clearly on Amazon, on the Loyola website, anywhere like that. And, and I would encourage you to buy from your Catholic bookstores. I mean, I'm hoping that they will shelve it and, you know, go in and ask for it. And I think we should be giving our business to local Catholic bookstores as much as we can also. Amen. I always uh, pre- preach that as well. It's very important to support them. I know a lot of them are struggling, especially right. in the COVID age. So uh, thanks for what you do. It sounds like a, a wonderful series. I, I'm excited to to read this with my kids or give it to my, um, my, my, my daughters and uh, get their feedback. And I'll sure, certainly send it to you as well. Shadow in the Dark. Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth. Catholic radio for your soul on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone.